The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW here in Las Vegas, the future stars of wrestling, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing, brother? Oh, exhausted. Uh, and that's just from the NFL draft. I'm sure you were there for. Uh, yeah. You know, it's pretty. The draft, like, there's no quarterbacks anybody cared about. All those guys that I've seen, I'm like, yeah, I kind of maybe heard of some of them, but this draft it's gonna sucked. Be, it's going to be the best uh, offensive lineman class in the history of pro football. They're the ones who make all the money now. It's crazy. It's quarterbacks and linemen. Yeah, um, yeah. It was interesting just to see the uh, the setup there uh, and how they had it um, with the uh, you know the makeshift tents and everything. Um, when you think of potentially something like WrestleMania coming to Las Vegas, would that be something that most likely? Um, the, you know, the WWE could utilize is the idea of having like a fan access for WrestleMania in that area where you could set up, you know, a bunch of outdoor stuff instead of just having everything encased indoors. Well, you know, if they do WrestleMania, it's going to be at Allegiant. So, you know, there, there's enough room there and there's enough surrounding you know, whether it's the Mandalay Bay, I would think they'd want to stay more toward the south side of the strip just because there's far less action going on. Yeah. Because that's the one issue closing things off. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I remember a few years ago that uh, they utilized that park area at Town Square for some kind of signing an interactive thing that they did. I remember handing out flyers for our event over there and got to meet some fans and, you know, try to spread the FSW word out there. Um, And uh, speaking of uh, spreading the FSW word, um, you know, before we started here, we're talking a little bit. Uh, What's going on? What's the update with – AEW's Memorial Day weekend and the wrestling collective uh, here that's taking place for uh, full tilt uh, for uh, you guys, GCW, Black Label Pro, and uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver. And also Ed in San Antonio. Ed in San Antonio. And Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez is yes. UNA. <laughs> so there's four days, uh, Thursday evening. We're going to kick things off with uh, luck of the draw and we've already announced uh jay vidal versus anthony green uh chris bay's on board so he's going to wrestle titus alexander 
Wow. Uh, we're about to announce uh, Hammerstone uh, in a rematch. So we don't know who's going to be the MLW champion at that point. Richard Holiday. Yeah. Uh, we also are looking at uh, Davey Richards going one-on-one with Gregory Sharp. Wow. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Remy Marcel with the guy he's become buddies with, Travis Titan. And we're trying to turn that into a three-way, which would be uh, Adam Brooks. So um, right now we got uh, Viva Van, uh, Shazam McKenzie, and it looks like uh, a girl we just met. Uh, she was training with Kayla Rossi down at the school. Uh, they do AEW Dark. Uh, Ashley D'Amboise, I believe is how she pronounces it. That is, and that is, our, yes, that's our girl, Joe. Yeah, so we just added her to the show. Uh, so that'll probably be also a three-way unless we make it a four-way or a tag match, which is still uh, discussions. Uh, we got our scramble that has a combination of guys like uh, Matt Vandegriff, Brandon Gatson, uh, Juicy, Jared Diaz, Damian Drake, Funny Bone, uh, Percy Drews, Axel Rico. So we may do like an FSW uh, versus the world tag, six-person, six-man tag, and possibly looking at, uh, you know, the the Disciples of Sin, uh, Funny Bone and Damian Drake, along with Sin Bodhi and the six-person tag, Uh, you know. So they might take on, like, uh, this guy from Chicago, works warrior in town, Axel Rico, uh, a guy who's in town for Mike Bailey's wedding. Uh, He's simply known as the Rotation uh, from Germany, who's going to be in town, who uh, seems like he's pretty impressive. So we're still combining the last couple of uh, matches for that event. So then we do the first event. And then we do the second event, which is FSW versus Revolver. And, you know, right now we've penciled in uh, Matt Vandegrift against Mike Bailey. Uh, Hammerstone versus Davey Richards. And, you know, uh, again, an FSW versus Revolver six or eight person tag. And, you know seeing if uh, Swan and Willie Mack are available, maybe in a, a tag match against Death Proof. Uh, just got word Chris Bay's show got canceled where he was supposed to wrestle that Friday, which I wasn't too happy about. Like, what the fuck, Chris? You know, you're like our main guy. We need you FSW versus Revolver. So now he gets to be plugged in. So one option to me that would be a great match that we haven't talked about would be Chris Bay versus Rich Swan at the Silver Nugget. So, you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of talent finding death proof. You know, I got some former FSW tag champs who are going to be in town uh, working the late Friday night Black Label show that starts at 11 p.m., you know. You know, and they are one, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a, a crew from the West Coast that likes to wreck people. So... You know, they're going to be here, you know, and, you know, right now the idea of using them, we're we're probably at about 1%, but hopefully it'll grow. 
you know, by the time uh, we finalize things, because, you know, I got Tom Lawler on hold because we're just trying to make sure there's a match because we were looking at him versus Josh Alexander, but Josh Alexander is working prestige on the Friday. So he's not coming until Saturday to work Sammy's revolver show Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. And then wow. the GCW eight o'clock where Matt Cardona, the Briscoes Cardona's also working the revolver show. And then if you get up early at 11 a.m., you got the uh, Meltzer and Alvarez Q&A from 11 to 12. You got Ed in San Antonio who's, you know, bringing in a stacked card of women uh, for that event at 12 p.m. And then Sunday, uh, luckily, uh, actually, let it ride. You know, we're going to have a, a mishmash of FSW versus you know, GCW versus Black Label guys versus Revolver guys. And, you know, that one's going to be more of a potluck, and it's going to be at 12 noon, you know, you know, more than enough time for you to get to Allegiant Stadium, similar to last year when we did the SummerSlam uh, noon event with uh, GCW. So, you know, pretty sure we can get some people to come out to that one also. And uh, just to clarify, it's not Allegiant, but it will be T-Mobile Center that are, is hosting the uh, AEW pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, I said Allegiant about uh, WrestleMania because you brought up WrestleMania. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Don't act like I was wrong and said it incorrectly. <laughs> I'm just clarifying. I'm clarifying. You know, because- I, I think you got confused and wasn't sure what you even said, and I had to clarify it. Well, either way, the parking is much closer, and uh, T-Mobile is just a, a jot down the street, per se, and uh, probably easier to get into than uh, Legion's parking situation, so that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, I, I had a great idea, Joey. We were talking about it. To shuttle people over from the FSW Arena at 2 o'clock over to Allegiant Stadium, renting vans, but then we got the kibosh put on it because it's like, well, we don't have a license and the uh, taxi cab authority and they're going to bust balls. And, you know, I just did watch the uh, super pumped the story of Uber and saw how the taxi cab authority, you know, kind of douches about things. So, yeah, find your five grand. it was like, even if we like said, hey. Your ticket's 50 bucks, and it includes yeah. a ride to the stadium. If you choose not to use it, that's your, you know, your position. But offering that ticket means you're actually offering to charge more money than to have the Uber. So, yeah, I guess, uh, we, can't, I guess we can't do that one. No, the only way around it would be to technically consider every one of those people uh, crew employees. And, uh, you know, it would have to be a, a crew rented van. Right. And but, you know, they, would... they are wrestling fans and uh, not all of them are the sharpest uh, knives. Oh, how'd you get here? Oh, we were at the FSW show and we bought a ticket and they drove us to come over. So, you know, for the $180 we made trying to be nice, we get fined five grand. So yeah. we'll pass. <laughs> And by the way, if you're listening to this show, you are absolutely one of the sharpest knives in yes, the yes. whole. I, obviously, I didn't mean the people listening. 
Um, when you look at um, some of that uh, talent that's coming in for the GCW show, uh, and you just uh, got a marquee up at uh, the Silver Nugget, uh, what does it mean to you to be able to be associated with uh, something that is going to catch a lot of eyes? Is is this something that you see FSW again, not only making its name to the fans who come uh, and the fans who, you know, uh, buy the pay-per-view, but also uh, just in the, you know, in the inner workings of other companies seeing that you were able to put together the collective with GCW, Black Label and Pro Wrestling Revolver. Is that something that potentially becomes valuable down the road for other joint projects? Maybe, you know, say uh, if you guys go down to Texas with, for instance, Booker's company or, you know, going out to the East Coast, uh, you know, you've you've thought about doing an Atlantic City show. Do those types of um, builds of the relationship show other promoters that, hey, this is legit? these guys did fairly well and we could also see a little bit of an expansion in our brand uh if we bring fsw into the fold well you know the sky's the limit when it comes to the united states you know when we first started the goal was to establish yourselves in vegas and we ended up getting an opportunity to do some stuff in arizona but there wasn't the social media reach. There wasn't the fight TVs of the world. And, you know, we would always joke like, hey, the Impact Locker Room, you know, it's got 18 guys in it that, you know, FSW, you know, had used on, you know, a relatively frequent basis and things like that. And as time has progressed, now we've gotten the opportunity like the Brad readers and, and, and other people from throughout the United States that become aware of a product that would have been way harder for them to know about, you know, we, you know, it, 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 I guess you could call it a, a perfect storm situation because guys like Chris Bay and cross and Brian cage, kind of became champions here on the way to bigger success. So, you know, now if you're checking out, oh, man, you know, I really like that cross. Well, 90% of the stuff you're going to see on Kevin Cross is FSW. What's FSW? Oh, Future Stars of Wrestling. Oh, shit, Brian Cage was there. Oh, Matt Hardy was there. Hey, Eli Drake, LA Knight was there. Oh, Chris Bay, Zoe Stark. Hammerstone, you know, it's like, wow, th th this company has really produced a ton of talent. You know, when you're a wrestling fan, you know, we, we try to separate, hey, we train these guys and these guys came with us. But to the average wrestling fan who's paying attention to indie promotions, Brian Cage and L.A. Knight, whether we trained them or not, Sefa all these guys, they're considered to them as, hey, I, I see a lot of their stuff on FSW. They seem to bring in a lot of talent. Hey, we used Lance Hoyt when the only people who knew about him were guys that were, you know, following in Japan. 
You know, when he was an impact 15 years ago, most people were like, Ugh, you know, Lance Hoyt. But I that was the first thing I said when I saw him, you know, like, oh, the rock and rave connection. Oh my god, the True. fake air guitar shit and stuff. Like, you know, Lance was you know promoted as this big goof, you know right. what I mean? It's like, you know, he has really you know evolved to the killer that he's become. So as each show progresses, you know, GCW has exploded since the pandemic. So to be involved with them, that means there's going to be more eyes on the product. That's why we did an FSW versus GCW show. Well, then why did GCW it? Well, you know, why would they do it? It's not really a benefit to them. Well, it is a benefit to them because they're using our ring. They're using our crew. We're giving them a way better deal then they're going to get from somebody else, you know, when they're using ring rentals, you know, right. because I'm hands on. I'm going to help them out. Hey, you know, I'm looking to do something that's going to save you some money that's also going to help us. And, you know, whether it's making money or not, it's not the point. You know what I mean? And we did the FSW GCW show and we had a lot of fans there that came to the GCW show. And it was the same as the time before. When we had Jordan Oliver versus Hammerstone, which was the catalyst to do the FSW GCW show, because we did Changing the Game, you know, a takeoff of Game Changer Wrestling the day before. And right. we had Leo Rush, and we had Bay, and we had Eli, and we had guys that they would also use. But what it, the main selling point was GCW fans were buying tickets to the FSW Arena show. So the place was rocking with fans that were overly enthusiastic. And then, of course, our fans take offense to the outsiders coming in and trying to make Jordan Oliver the baby face against our champion, Hammerstone. And it became this great back and forth battle that reminded me of, you know, watching a football game that if you're a Redskin fan going to Giants Stadium or the Giants and Redskins or the Cowboys, you know, yep. there's that rivalry, that hatred, you know, there's respect, but it's me, my team against your team. And, and that's how it became, you know, even the Suavecitos might've got cheered if they were working, <laughs> you know, on that show. Probably not. They'd probably get turned on halfway through the match. But that, that's how it was. Our guys were conceived. It, it was similar to when, uh, one of my favorite pay-per-views, which was when the WWE went up to Calgary, the In Your House, and Calgary it was Stampede. like the Heart Foundation against uh, Gold Dust, I think Austin, Vader. I don't even remember. All I remember is the Heart Foundation were like gods. Yeah. And, you know, the most popular guys in WWF at the time were booed out of the building. It was yeah. one of the, to me, that was the greatest atmosphere of any wrestling show I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, um, that's very true. And I think that you have a really good point because that atmosphere did feel like that in the building. Um, and you, what's really, I think, phenomenal is the fact that the, the wrestlers... Uh, who, you know, a lot of times I think they don't feel, you know, sometimes you don't feel that love from the fans because you are 
slotted as a heel or as a face. But when you're able to do company versus company, it is. It's like uh, rooting for USC versus Notre Dame. You know, it's it's two factions, and you have your loyalties to those factions. Um, is there any chance that, uh, you know, we might see down the road, maybe come uh, the Money in the Bank 4th of July weekend, um, a, you know, almost a, a rematch between GCW and FSW? You know, in all honesty, we haven't talked about it yet. But it's definitely going to be a conversation. We're trying to get everything settled for this because, yeah. you know, we're, we're still almost four weeks out. So that's the good thing. We started this very, very early. So we still got a good amount of time. But it's definitely something that we're interested in doing because on the Friday night, the day before, you know, GCW does a lot of stuff now in L.A. So, you know, making a stopover in Vegas or even just where we're utilizing it as our show with GCW involved and doing that, you know, we'll get GCW fans. And that's the thing. They travel well. You know, it's kind of like when they say in football, those Wisconsin fans would always come to UNLV and pack the place. Because, you know, God forbid anybody would show up to UNLV game that they were actually fans of UNLV. But when you've sucked for 25 years, that's what happens. Nobody cares. So, you know, the crowd is filled with the the opposing colors. You know what I mean? And it's another home game for Wisconsin. So, it's the same situation here to where we announce an event the WWE fans who are, who have crossed over uh, will be a part of it. But GCW fans will come from California, Arizona, Utah, regardless of the fact that WWE is out here. Right. You know what I mean? It's like that, that, that isn't important to them. A lot of those GCW fans despise WWE. So they're only going to come to our event. They're coming into town to watch our event and then hopping on their car and back, and they'll be back the day of the pay-per-view and probably not even watching WWE because they don't care for it. Right. So that's what the added fan base is having. You know, it, it's similar to that Ring of Honor fan base, which is how we started and why we started doing the Mecca. Um, just thinking of, uh, you know, the the structure of wrestling now and obviously it's AEW weekend in thinking of a company like AEW who has a Brian Cage let's say and and a number of other guys um that could uh potentially talk to a guy like Hammerstone who's your champ and fill them in on what it's like to work for that company is that something that's uh important to a guy like Hammerstone and knowing that, hey, if my contract comes up and I'm potentially offered something from a company like AEW or on the flip side, let's say WWE, because there's you know a number of guys who uh, and, and women who have worked FSW who are in WWE. Is that something that is valuable now that the wrestlers 
who have been here um, and others that they've met on the independent scenes can actually help them make an educated decision to, you know, to know where they take their career in terms of that future step so that they don't say get locked into a contract with one of the companies and then absolutely are, you know, stuck for two or three years <clears throat> in a situation that probably if they would have known a little bit more, they could have passed up and gone for other opportunities. You would think that, but every preference is, is an individual decision. Guys like Jacob Fatu and Hammerstone are two guys that once their contracts expired in MLW, I guarantee could have got a contract offer from Impact WWE or AEW. They were comfortable with the contract. Me, as an outsider looking at that contract, it isn't the terms of the contract. It's the fact to me that MLW does not run that many events. So that limits how many shows a Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu, no matter how good their contract is with MLW, about how much they're going to make. But they obviously, because it's their choice, they have the choice to go out and do a bunch of indie bookings. So they had a couple of years. They signed, and then they recently re-signed. So that means they had that opportunity to now look at the way things are in the universe. And instead of locking themselves in, because in WWE, you're locked in. That's it. You have no other options. You're WWE. They want to push you. They don't want to push you. They release you when they feel like it. You know, look at Ryan Taylor. You know, it took him forever to get there. Got on TV. And in the middle of him being a part of a group, he got released. Out of nowhere. You know what I mean? So a Jacob Fatu and a Hammerstone have decided that they would prefer to have a schedule that they get to pick from, they get to choose from, because Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu are main players in MLW. They were champions before anybody was willing to take risks on them. So their loyalty, as I well know Hammerstone's loyalty, because... He sticks with me because I was the first guy to give him an opportunity outside of those rinky-dink shows that he was running in Arizona. So he's chosen to take individual bookings, put himself in charge, hit me up, how much you want to pay me, blah, 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 blah. Now, that's not to say in Impact he wouldn't have had just as many opportunities because Impact runs – a staggered schedule of, hey, we'll do a pay-per-view on Friday or Saturday and then two TV Sunday and Monday, and that's pretty much it for the month. So those guys still have the opportunity to take bookings throughout the month. So one week out of the month, they're probably going to be blocked out. But then certain guys have contracts to where I've had to deal with it that I got to go through the office because that person has signed a guaranteed contract that despite how many dates he got, he could be, he could be signed for 500 bucks a match, but in reality, he's making 2,500 bucks a match because he signed for X amount of matches. 
Right. You know, and then you got AEW, and there's like a, it's kind of like, uh, I call them probies, because that, that's what they really are. That a lot of the talent you see on AEW Dark, they're contracted, but they got what's called like a probie contract, that they're guaranteed X amount of appearances. And until they get to that main roster, they're locking in younger talent and then seeing where they want to go with it. Obviously, right. Atoa Leona uh, got the Proby contract, and now they liked what they saw. So I'm not privy, but I'm assuming that it's been upgraded, that contract, because he's a, a guy, once they start up doing uh, Ring of Honor, they're obviously going to be a major tag team there. Brian Cage, people were like, what the fuck? They're not using this guy. Why would they pick up the option on his high-paying contract? And then we saw they decided, hey, let's, you know, to utilize him uh, in Ring of Honor. And it also keeps him away from other people because he was the Impact World Champion. So yeah. I, I know for a fact he hadn't burned bridges there. So that's always an option. And he was signed way back in the day, actually right before we used him uh, in developmental in 2009. And we got him fresh off developmental that I didn't know about till like five years later. He was just a guy that hit me up because we were using Ricker at the time, who's now uh, L.A. Knight. And they were a tag team uh, working Hollywood. Yeah. Um, When you look at the younger talent roster that you have uh, over the last few years, you've, you know, made their name, started to build themselves up. Who would you say – in comparison wise to some of the guys uh, that you just talked about, the Rickers, the Cages, the Hammerstones, who are some of the guys that you would say that if you were um, you know, running an MLW, an NWA, uh, Impact Wrestling, even AEW or NXT, that you feel are at that point where they're close to being or already for that opportunity to uh, take their talent to the next level. Well, are, are you talking about guys who've been with us or are you talking yeah. about like newer guys? No, no guys have, have been with you that, you know, obviously uh, that are more polished, more ready for that next step. Well, you know, obviously guys like Remy and, and you know, death proof, and those guys have been doing it for a long time. You know, to me, when you're starting a company, you're going to look for, you know, young talent that can re- that really can you can put under your wing for a lot of years. And right. that group of guys that we have are the Matt Vandegrifts, the Jay Vidal's, the Damian Drake's, you know, guys that are in their early 20s, but they're almost at that next level you know what i mean you know you got a brett the thread and nick xander and sky high and you know guys like that that they're not there yet you know what i mean that hopefully with more polish they can get there you know what i mean you know a gregory sharp you forget how young he is because he started with us at 18 or 19 years old so, you know, Greg's still under 30, you yeah. know, but guys like, you know, Cody and Remy and Clutch and Sugar Brown, and Jacob Boston Young, 
you know, you forget how long they've been there. Graves, you know, you know, Ice, Class Williams, they're Ice Williams and Class. That'd be interesting, Class Williams. Class Williams. If, uh, and it turned out he was uh, the uh, half brother of Ice Williams. That would be very interesting. So, but these are young guys that potential, you know, is through the roof. Now, there's a lot of guys that are grouped together that have a lot of talent, but time will tell, you know, if they are, you know, championship worthy. Shogun and Hero, you know, two other guys that they're that are young and on the cusp of yeah. of greatness. So the thing is, it's like there's different generations, you know, and to me, the new generation is Nick Xander, Brett the Threat, the Suavecitos, Lazarus, you know. Guys that have a couple of years under their belt, right. you know. And before that, we had, you know, Ice Williams, Damian Drake, you know, Evander Griff, you know. And then before that, we had, you know, the, the Jacob Austin Youngs and the Clutches and the Sugar Browns and, you know, that kind of group. And the funny thing is, it's like you started with your first group. And the first group was a guy like Cody who came aboard, you know, early on in the training in our very first show. Uh, Remy had some training. Like I said, he was from out of state. But Cody was, you know, the first rookie of the year. Mike Delight, you know, Sugar Brown. That was like the early class. And those guys had some training elsewhere, you know, and came over. And as each, you know, grouping has progressed, you know, I don't know if it would be considered sour grapes, but, uh, you know, I know having conversations with a guy like Clutch, for example, like we keep him on the student page. He's not a student. We keep a lot of the the guys who've been around for a long time on that page because like a Hammerstone or a Graves, these guys can chime in. Chris Bay, they can, they can say things. And, you know, not a Chris Bay, for example, because he's sky's the limit. He, he's gone on to bigger and better things. But I just know talking with a guy like Clutch that he sees some of the younger guys and he feels that they had to work harder than the new guys do to, yeah. to have gotten the opportunities. And those guys back then had to be on that ring crew and there was no excuses and and – he looks at the younger breed of guys as a little softer. Like he looks at the group of guys and he, you know, can count on one hand who he thinks is going to make it from a pretty large class. You know what right. I mean? And, you know, when he was running, we had to decide who the rookie of the year was. And it was clutch. It was Jacob Boston young. It was Greg Romero. You know, it was three guys you could have went, you know, either way with. And in some cases, more recently, you know, Shogun was by far, you know, the number one candidate. Hero Lou, you know, there was rookies that came about, but their progression was a lot slower. 
you know what I mean? And he just feels that looking at these guys that they, they take a little bit more for granted, you know, their bread isn't as buttered as, you know what? Clutch, Jacob, Austin, young, Chris Bay, they move from other States just to train at FSW. So most of the time, their allegiance is with us and they only wrestled for us. You know what I mean? And now everybody goes everywhere. And if you're an outsider, you don't know who is an FSW guy because there's shows all over the place now. You know what I mean? And, you know, who's who anymore? You know, you, you, you try to make sure that you train a person a certain way. And at the end of the day, they're appreciative and, you know, they're, they're FSW. They go into the locker room and, you know, I know guys like the Suavecitos and Nick Xander and Brett the Threat when they go into other locker rooms, because that's also a selling point to get on other shows is, Hey, you know, we were trained at FSW or we know people from FSW who have good things to say. So when we're doing shows and using some of the Arizona crew with Dom and Gallows guys, you know, they're really up with our stuff. So besides using guys that Dom and Gallo and Hammerstone know like Remy and a Greg Sharp and a Cody, they're also using Brett the Threat and they're using the Suavecitos and they're using people. And why are they using them? Because our guys have said good things and be like, hey, this is a guy you're going to want to use. As well as their crew, the John Wolfgangs and Devin Renos and, and all their young guys who say, hey, man, you know, you need to use these guys. Because, right. you know, we're all in the same boat. There's not a lot of wrestling schools. Well, there are a ton of wrestling schools. <laughs> but there's not a lot of wrestling schools where... You could say, oh, man, that school has this guy, that guy, this guy, and the other guy. Like, off the top of my head with Santino's, we use, we know we use a bunch of their guys. You know, B-Boys come along with Level Up, and we use a bunch of their guys. Right. And, you know, on the younger end, because most of them aren't really been wrestling as long, but now in Arizona, the, the Phoenix Championship wrestling guys – we feel they've been trained very, very well. And, you know, when you hear on commentary and we're giving you a new guy, 90% of the time it's going to be from one of those. Actually, most of the time it's from Santino's or, or Phoenix Championship Wrestling. Right. And then it's level up in San Diego where we've tried to make sure we've used some of those guys because, you know, B-Boy's been doing it forever. You know, he seems to be doing it right. So, you know, it's a lot easier to pick talent because now also those guys recommend, you know, I I talked about the Santino thing from, you know, Ray Rosa starting it and Willie Mack and then Tito and Che and Douglas James and Eli Everfly and Brody King, you know, when nobody knew who he was and Heather Monroe became our first women's champion. You know, there's a lot of people, Lucas Riley from Santino's, 
you know, just hard to get them on because we got so many guys. But, you know, another talented guy, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, Ref Isaac, you know, is out of the Santino crew. And, and, and of course, he started at Santino's, but went to FSW, and that's Vandegrift. Yeah, but we created Matt Vandegrift. He was a nobody from Santino's. We turned we turned him into the star he is today. That, you know, that's a given. But yes, you know, he he got his feet wet, and we had heard some inklings about this high flying chubby kid at a SoCal. And then, you know, we whipped him up and put him into uh, what he has become today. Uh, speaking of uh, classes and, and the school, uh, this uh, coming Saturday, uh, May 7th, you have an opportunity if you're uh, someone who's training in wrestling um, or who has been uh, a wrestler for a while. If you're in the area uh, at 2.30 at the FSW Arena, Cutthroat Cody is going to be doing a seminar. Uh, it's $15. You can uh, get on the registration list by going to fsw.com. Um, are you happy when you see a guy like Cody not only teaching the classes, but also getting an opportunity to uh, do something like a seminar to kind of give back to some of the younger talent? Um, and how important is it for guys to attend things like this um because even though it's a seminar cutthroat cody is a teacher he's he's regular there as compared to someone let's say like a david richards who would come in and do a seminar is it pretty important that guys you know just kind of get their eyes and ears and head together and go do something like this um to just keep growing in that experience you, you never stop learning, as, as they like to say, uh, in the business. But Future Shock generally features a lot of the younger talent. So, you know, we had to make sure that, you know, people would attend. Because in a lot of cases, like we saw when we did a Davy Richards seminar, we had far less people than I would have thought right. for one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Two weeks prior, we had Booker T., we had people flying in from all over the United States to come yeah. to see Booker T, who has the knowledge and he could tell you a lot of things about professional wrestling in one sense. Davey Richards is more of the hands-on technical guy who can tell you a bunch of different things about the business. And we've had that with seminars where the guy like Raven, where some kids were complaining because... Raven didn't do in-ring drills. And it was like, well, here's a guy who's considered one of the best minds in wrestling. I don't really think he gives a fuck whether you can do an arm drag at this point. If you're training to wrestle and you can't do an arm drag, uh, he's not going to be able to turn you into a superstar arm drag. So, right. you know, you have to play to your strengths. And, you know, Cody's a guy. If you look at the transformation from day one in FSW, he's a day one guy, yeah, FSW original to where he is now, you know, he, he can give it to you like it is, you know, he could tell you how we had issues in the beginning and he thought this and he thought that, 
And in a lot of situations, when you're a young mind, you think you know everything. And, you know, I always remember it. It clicked in, and then all of a sudden, Cody dropped a lot of weight. He took it way more serious, and that's what happens with a lot of people. They get to certain levels, and they kind of stop. And, and that's usually what happens, which stagnates the growth of an indie wrestler, that they get to, you know, and it's, for some cases, it's being on the show. For other cases, it's like, hey, I won a title. You know, hey, somebody thought enough of me to put a belt, a championship belt on me. You know, I'm cool. And then you got the guys that you knew from day one. You knew Hammerstone. You knew Cage. You knew Cross. You knew Bay. That being FSW champion was great, but that's not where that. They didn't want that to be the top line of their legacy. They wanted to be a superstar in the business where everybody knew who they were. You know, we saw that with Lacey Ryan. You know, she was there every day. You know, during the pandemic, didn't give a fuck. You know, has nothing to do with their pro-Trump stance, her and Tom Howard. You know what I mean? (laughs) They didn't care about the pandemic. Fuck the masks, they say. But all they wanted to do was train. She was a professional wrestler who wanted to get better. You know, look at her in Utah and then look at her after six months at FSW. You know, that's the perfect example of having training and then having training. You know, there was a different mindset in FSW. And the mindset's more of the talent that's there. You know, you got trainers that have been there, done that. And then you got wrestlers that come through the pike that have gone on to huge achievements in the wrestling business. And, you know, bar none, you know, I'll put up our school's success against just about everybody. You know what I mean? Um, And Future Shock is coming up this Saturday. Uh, I believe, is it a 6 p.m. start for Future Stock this uh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. Uh, We're back to the normal 7 o'clock start. Makes things easier. We get the seminar. And then it doesn't confuse people. Hey, is it 6 o'clock today? Or is it 7 o'clock today? Or is it 5 o'clock today? We try to make everything 7. You know what I mean? Just because it's just an easier time. Because between our fans and our students... Uh, they never know when the show is anyway. So at least if we, we try to implicate it into their skulls, they might realize it's 7 PM. Just like, you know, when you tell the students on Thursday, uh, to set up for the school show on Saturday, like how hard is it to grab 20 chairs? And because the other chairs are already up against the wall, all you got to do is wipe them down and put the fucking chairs in front of the bleachers. It's like, it's not rocket science. But for some reason, you still need to tell them every single show what has to be done. Uh, and with this future shock, uh, who so far is uh, going to be on the card? Uh, and remember, too, if you're not in Vegas, uh, 699, the FSW Network, you can see the show. Uh, and if you are in Vegas, head on down to the uh, school and, uh, you know, grab some tickets. But uh, what can they expect? 
Well, we got a couple of veterans on there. Cal Jack trying to get some work in. Uh, he's going to wrestle a guy that uh, youngster at Arizona, Kevin Koa, who had been coming down for a while, just never had anything for him. And then we uh, we needed him in a spot against Ricky Tenacious. And in all honesty, uh, it's kind of a clunker. Uh, Ricky ended up getting fucked up, got hit in the mouth, busted open. But you know what? You heard good things about this kid. So when another opportunity arrived, we gave him that shot. And he wrestled uh, with Juicy's cousin, Eldon Finau, against TBD. And they had a really good match at our uh, last high octane. Because those guys come up, whether they're booked or not. They want to be a part of it. So they're hoping that things like this occur, where there's an issue. Somebody can't make it. We need a spot. And... You know, in a lot of cases, I'll book somebody. And if they don't do well, I'm not booking them again. And then yeah. if they don't show up and just say, hey, because, you know, they got their boys in the locker room and it's like, hey, bro, you know, this guy really wants to come back. And I'm like, OK, well, I used him twice and the matches both sucked. So he may have improved, but he's right. had his opportunities and now I have other guys that are asking for that opportunity that didn't shit the bed when they did get the opportunity. And again, it may not have been their fault, but you know, you have you you have one opportunity to impress me. And if you go out there and you don't have a good match, why wouldn't I give somebody else who's got a good reputation that first match before I give you the second match? Now, obviously, when it comes to the FSW students you know, they're going to get first priority, but they're also not going to get an opportunity. You know, we've had a couple matches over the last couple months that weren't very good. So, you know, now it's back to the drawing board and, and, and those people have to earn that spot back into, even though it's a a student show, the future shock. So Oliver Canaday, who, Finally, after a long way, made his debut against Sin Bodhi. Did very well. Brought a huge fan base with him. And now he got a second opportunity against Gregory Sharp. And he did even better. So he will get a third opportunity. And right now it's looking like he's going to get that opportunity against Cutthroat Cody, who was on commentary the show before and really was impressed with his work ethic because he'll be the first to tell you that he probably bitched and yelled at Oliver for some laziness. And, and, you know, it happens sometimes that, you know, you get frustrated, but he worked through it and, you know, Cody was proud of him. So let's let, maybe let's give them a, give them a match because with Oliver right now, we would prefer to have him in with somebody who's far more experienced because, you know, he is a young talent. So, you know, That'll be a match there. Uh, Brett the Threat's back. You know, he's going to wrestle John Wolfgang, which we think is going to be a really good match. Uh, Jay Vidal uh, likes to give young guys opportunities at Future Shock, the open challenge. So, you know, he's wrestling Anthony Green uh, on the May 26th show for the No Limits title, unless, you know, Jay Vidal drops the title. And just because... It's a future shock. It doesn't mean that, as we saw, Danny Limelight shows up. Well, if he did the open challenge, 
you know, Jay wasn't able to wrestle that day, we could have saw a new champion at Future Shot. Yeah. So you never know if Danny Limelight is uh, sniffing around, hanging out with Chris Bay in Vegas that weekend and pops in. Or more importantly, the main uh, bread earner of the family, his daughter, you know, yeah. is in town making a movie or a commercial. And, you know, he has to be her uh, Uber driver. It's it's amazing, too. Fans, if you have not followed Danny Limelight's, uh, let alone his career and his story, uh, his daughter is something else. And uh, coming from uh, a Hollywood background, I know it's very hard to break through. And, uh, boy, this kid has got a bright future ahead of herself. So... Uh, I don't know uh, who's more over his daughter or Brandon Gatson's daughter. No kidding. Right. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, no. You know, talent, talented dancer there. Good. Might be good. a mixed tag. Gatson <laughs> and his girl against limelight and his girl. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I think Danny limelight should be the new bachelor. And then, because I said they should have did it on The Bachelorette with Kenny King, that he's not only got to pick you, his daughter has to pick you. Yeah. They've not done that one yet. Yeah. I don't watch it, but I just know because of Kenny. But she was more over than he was on that show. So yeah. they put yeah. Limelight's daughter on The Bachelorette for to pick a girl for Danny, you know, because he's always looking, he says. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he... I mean, I probably would choose his daughter's opinion over his own opinion um, because, you know, again, if you're always looking, you're missing by just that much. Maybe, you know, that's the key right there. There you go. Um, Got to get by the daughter. Yeah. Uh, anyone else uh, coming up on Future Shock on the 7th? Uh, Devin Reno will be there. Uh, Davion, who's been very impressive. Uh, yeah. After he got murdered by funny bone you know he hung tough man i'll tell you that and then uh he had a really good match with devin reno and uh blair brody and blair brody who we're very very high on so as you see again it's gonna be uh a lot of guys from the from the phoenix championship wrestling you know we're, we're looking for those those young guys uh there's another guy i, I that hit me up I guess Ricky's doing his taco uh, festival. Also, a lot of taco festivals in Vegas. Sin did one yeah. last week. You know, we'd like to get paid to do a taco festival. Christ. You know, you could just, who needs hot dogs when you can pay us in tacos? You know what I'm saying? Who doesn't like a nice carne asada or El Pastor taco? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Especially when they're free. Yeah. You know, we did one, uh, it was a barbecue one at Sunset Station. And there was a place next to us. I think they were out of Utah. And they were giving us samples of their ribs for as a rib eating contest. Like it's a national thing. And I was like, man, those were some good fucking ribs, let me tell you. You know, it was, I think it was uh, through Pauly. It might have been like a uh, a radio station. Might have been 107.5 they did something. So we didn't even get paid to do it. We just did it for exposure and uh, barbecued ribs. You know, Polly Cover, if you're listening, Polly, uh, I think Joe just uh, basically gave you an admission, and that is to put together 
a taco slash food fest with FSW wrestling going on. And uh, in Ohio, yeah, like or, or Indiana or, you know, somewhere in the Midwest, you know, the, you guys will sell. Yeah. As long as they pay, we'll be there. <laughs> um, as we kind of uh, get here closer to uh, wrapping up a little bit, um, one of the things that I saw this week that uh, was pretty cool, and uh, if you could share kind of how this came about, uh, was this through uh, finding the uh, the new advertiser, the the pizza company? Um, but how did you get uh, yourselves onto the ProWrestlingTees.com website, and uh, what can the fans expect from what you guys are offering? Yeah, it's kind of funny because. Uh... You know, whether it was through Facebook or we saw something and it was kind of comical, uh, they were promoting this thing called Powerbomb Pizza. And Powerbomb Pizza has some Mick Foley, four faces of cheese or whatever. And they have specialty pizzas that are wrestler oriented. So shot in the dark, I ended up reading more into it and saw that Pro Wrestling Tees owned this Powerbomb Pizza. So it wasn't like its own storefront. It's like that new age Uber Postmates thing where we're going to give you money to work out of your kitchen and we're going to promote just selling it on Uber and, and, you know, Uber Eats and Postmates and all the others. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Maybe they'd be interested in uh, doing some kind of sponsorship, especially to start it off, to do it at an FSW arena show, pointless, you know. But AEW weekend, we got four companies that are coming. You know, there's four of us that are going to be there. Uh, it's AEW weekend. There's a lot of people from out of town, a lot of people that are AEW fans because Pro Wrestling Tees basically has an agreement with them. So if you're going to be in town – hey, what better way to get the word out that there's going to be other shows around AEW than Pro Wrestling Tees? So I sent a random message on the email, Pro Wrestling Tees, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, like that day, I got a message back. And it's like, hey, Joe, this is Brad Dornick. Well, Brad Dornick's a guy who used to come to all our shows. And then he moved away to Chicago. And he even came back for a couple of the meccas and things like that. He goes, hey, I do the promotion and marketing for pro wrestling tees. This is what we can do. We cannot give you any money. I'm like, okay. Didn't even ask for pizzas. I'm like, hey, this is what we can do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what can you do then? He's like, well, let me talk to the boss. He's like, I talked to the boss. And as I said, you know, there's really no money in the budget to give you guys money but what we could do is we have email blasts that we send out to all our customers all the people on the mailing list which we have no idea what that number is but i know that number is way more than any emails we can send out to anybody absolutely so i give them the flyer with the first four produces wild you know it's got Hammer, Trey Miguel, you know, Davey Richards, and I believe Kenny King on there. And he was like, they put out an email blast a week ago. Now, when we get the regular flyer, 
he was like, hey, update it with the thing. We'll send out another one as the time gets closer. So we're now having more people become aware of our events that may not know of FSW. Hey, they may know of GCW, but they're not paying attention to the other shows that are going on. Well, now it's in their face, you know. And then not only did they do that, which was great, but the people that were on the flyer in FSW, they linked to the page of, you know, your their stores, you know. So I ended up uploading a bunch of stuff. So hopefully we can get some fans, you know, at that event wearing some uh, new merch that they got from Pro Wrestling Tees. So, you know, as I always said, you know, I prefer a trade-off than money. You know, yeah. money's great. Obviously, it helps. But a lot of times you can get more out of something than if you had a financial reward for it. So, right. you know, we're excited. You know, it's like hopefully this can generate something for both parties. And now we can do it for our anniversary show. And we can do it because we're also on Fight TV. So the people that are sitting at home who just ordered a Chris Bay or Davey Richards or, you know, one of the or killer cross. Hey, natural born killers. This looks cool. You know, blood sport type event, you know, and we got cross and this guy and that guy on there. You know, I'm going to order it because I saw the flyer on pro wrestling tees. So, right. you know, how, how could that not be? you know, a good thing. You, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, it's it's definitely a win-win. And Powerbomb Pizza is trying to get the word out. Yeah. And that's the main thing. Now, if you choose to buy the pizza, you know, that's another thing. But you can't buy a pizza you don't know about. So right. our 10,000 followers will now know about Powerbomb Pizza, whether they did or not. Right. So... You know, they are in other cities and, you know, probably going to expand if they, if they become successful. So we'd love to be on that ground floor and helping them achieve that. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, again, you know, ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, you can check out the FSW uh, selection of shirts as well as uh, look into Powerbomb Pizza and see, uh, you know, if they're in your area, you can get uh, a pizza delivered to yourself uh named after uh you know one of the wrestlers and uh maybe if uh people do purchase enough pizza we can get uh, a joe defalco pizza uh, which I, i'm assuming is a cross between uh the italian puerto rican right how would you uh, put that pizza together no when it comes to pizza you know we're not gonna put in pulled we're not gonna put in spanish pork or or, or fried bananas you know on there okay but i was thinking you know we could do a funny bone pizza with black dough you know what i mean <laughs> you have the black dough you know you got the red sauce with the thing and then you have like white regatta cheese yeah. on there and that could be the funny bone pizza you know limited edition for the vegas market only you know what i'm saying now if we did say a juicy finale pizza you know, with the Hawaiian descent, now we can do the pineapple, you know, and the ham and then, you know, the pork and things like that. 
and we could have different ones, you know, for different people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. A Juicy's pizza could be like a 32 inch pizza too. You know, there you go. Super sized. It could be like Napoli's, but actually taste good. <laughs> oh uh, man! You want cardboard pizza? You know where to go. Hey, you, you don't speak. You don't speak the lies here. That's all truth. No, um, we did a we did a commercial for them. They came to the old school. Sugar Brown uh, had a box, a midget in a pizza box, <laughs> and in return, we didn't get paid, of course. But they were sponsors of the CW when we were on there. So we got free pizza whenever we wanted. We got it once. And it was like, ah, no big deal. Kind of sucked anyway. Oh, man. I think, you know what? Uh, book that match, by the way. Sugar Brown versus the, uh, the pizza box midget. That would yeah. be wonderful. Problem is, he wants like five thousand for an appearance. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, yeah, they definitely don't charge by the uh, the size. The size. <laughs> oh man! Uh, any final words as we uh, wrap up this week, Joe? Yeah, one thing I didn't mention. Uh, you know, old time when I first started on radio on uh, KLAV back in the day. Uh, we had a guy, Jeff, big wrestling fan, WCW, and I knew him from the strip clubs. He was a, he was a bouncer at the Glitter Gulch when I worked there. Hmm. And, you know, I kept up with him on Facebook. He moved away. And out of nowhere, he died, you know, a couple weeks ago. I saw it the next day. You know, we were arguing back and forth. You know, he was a big Smiths fan, and, you know, he was he was big in collecting vinyl, and he would always get his, like, jobber signed cards from like a golfer that was like oh yeah i vaguely remember that guy from 1986 but you know we called him the big goof you know and he was the biggest sting mark in the world and then all of a sudden you know i was yapping with him the day before because he was big detroit guy blasting kyler murray oh this guy's a bum i can't i'm like dude this guy is not a bum and we'd go back and forth and then it was just like wow you know 52 years old Man. Don't even know the cause of death. It was just like sudden death, you know, and the sister posted it and was like, man, you know, it, it, it's crazy, you know, with my mom passing and just seeing everything that goes on in life. It's like, fuck, like I could be here and like all of a sudden, hey, guys, there's no DeFalco files next week. Uh, Joe died. You know what I mean? And it's like there's no rhyme or reason for when it happens, why it happens and who it happens to. So it's like, you know live your life and enjoy yourself you know and if you can't enjoy yourself doing something don't do it and you know that's my motto for fsw you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it the way it makes me happy and you know if it means bigger shows then it's a, it's a bigger win for the the fans and it motivates me to do things like the full tilt weekend and putting it all together you know, there was no concept. It was like, hey, Brett, GCW, I know you're going to be running. What do you think if we do this? I got a venue. Boom. You know, we've talked with Sammy for years. Boom. Black Label deals with, with Brett at GCW. He put that together. Boom. You know, we I talked to Booker T. Boom. 
things happened at WrestleMania. I guess things didn't go well. They had canceled shows. Regrouping from that, we talked with Mike Rain of Best of the West. Talked with numerous companies, and it's like, you know what? It we're trying to do is great for the wrestling fan. You know, they could wake up at a and and head to the Silver Nugget on Saturday morning. If you're a fan of Meltzer, even if you hate the motherfucker, and you want to scream at him as he'll be in our ring, you know, on the microphone or right outside it, answering questions. Uh, women's show at noon. We're going to have vendors. We're going to have merch. You know, we're going to have people doing signings. And literally, I will be there from about 10 in the morning on Saturday till midnight. And I don't have any show going on because we're doing our shows Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. But as the guy hosting the event, I have to be there at all times just in case. You know, we don't want Nick Gates taking a light tube outside the ring area, you know. But, you know, sky's the limit. You know, I know there's some uh, street fights booked and hardcore matches. And I'm pretty certain, you know, GCW is going to do something that's going to make me cringe. (laughs) Well, it's all going down again. Full Tilt Weekend is going to be Memorial Day weekend. Uh, when AEW's in town, so get yourself some tickets to see AEW, and then the rest yeah, of the it's, week. It's the unofficial anniversary of FSW. You know, yeah. it's funny. We we did our very first show on May twenty eighth, two thousand and nine. Okay, and it was Memorial Day weekend, and it was about one hundred and ten degrees at the uh, Rancho Swap Meet. And the funny thing is, every anniversary since, I don't think it's ever been on Memorial Day. Because we've never really wanted to run. Because we saw there was so much going on, even though we did well. There's always so much going on. The cost, everything. You know, room rates, flights, whatever it is. And once we realized we were going to do this, there was no way we could make that show our anniversary show. So now we have another big show in June coming because it was always in that, you know, three or four week period. And, you know, as much as we booked the May 26th show, uh, me and Sammy putting together the 27th show, got to add some stuff, you know, putting together the 28th show. Sorry, the 29th show. Oh, nice that's when the Sunday is, yeah. you know, and then also setting up everything, June 4th, a week later, uh, High Octane <coughs> finalized matches for the anniversary show, which will be on June 19th. So, you know, there's a four-week period where we got about six fucking shows. It's going to be insane. You know, hopefully those checks came in. Don't be blowing them in the casinos till after our event. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just uh, remember to uh, check it out on Fight TV for uh, Memorial Day weekend if you're not in town. Uh, and, of course, the FSW Network, six ninety nine. Uh, Two shows that weekend. Look at that. Look at that. Luck of, the, luck of the draw and let it ride on Sunday. So Thursday and Sunday for seven bucks, you can watch two match, two events that feature Chris Bay, Hammerstone, Richard Holiday. Anthony Green, Vandegrift, Funny Bone, Sin, Remy, Greg Sharp, 
you know, TBD, and we're still working. Jordan Oliver probably on the Sunday show. We're just trying to put that all together, you know. And who doesn't like those five and six man scrambles? Come on. GCW makes a living on that opening match. <laughs> oh man, what's in and it's perfect for Joe DeFalco's booking too. So it just kind of might make a frame match. May 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 go back and redo a the, 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 the Sunday fray. Seven guys. Two guys start every minute every minute or yeah, probably every minute. Maybe every two. But you can only win by pinfall, submission, or count out. Last man standing. That that sounds like fun, man. I think uh, I think that uh, some of the uh, guys from out of town would get a kick out of uh, participating in one of those Dota uh, Falco specials. So. You know, it's like a Royal Rumble match. Yeah. Except you get to pin people, so you yeah. come in at different times. It keeps it exciting. You know, if you get pinned, you're gone. So you know, you could see good matchups. And it becomes a little bit more uh, of a match because on a show like this, you know, a battle royal is just a waste of space. Right. So. Well, there you have it, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in this week. And uh, hope you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.